Welcome back to the podcast, everyone. Today I'm back with Center Stage Theater. I have Trista to the left of me. She's the artistic director and an actor in the new play, Dirty Rotten Scoundrels. I have Andrew adjacent to me. He's also an actor and another actor. Oh, Travis. There we go. And you guys' new play airs on, is airing the right word or showing? <laughs> Opens. Opens. Premieres. <laughs> Premieres. <laughs> Premieres. Ooh, that sounds so fancy. <laughs> Premieres on April 1st, so in about a week from today. <laughs> yes. There we go. <laughs> so let's just start right there. I don't know much about Dirty Rotten Scoundrels. Yeah. <laughs> set, set the well, scene for me. Okay. Uh, Dirty Rotten Scoundrels is a musical. Uh, it's I've been affectionately calling it the the uh, not safe for work mm-hmm. musical because it is a it's a little it's a little scandalous. There it's it's for adults. Let's put okay. it that way. But it's not uh, you know like my ninety two year old grandmother is coming to see this show. <laughs> uh, but we're we're saying you know sixteen and up. But parents can use their own discretion. That kind of thing. But um, it's a musical. It's a comedy. It's does not take itself seriously at all. It's the story of t- of two con men uh, on the French Riviera, and there's a, a gentleman who's been there for a while. He's got a good grift going. He's got his wingman, who uh, Andrew plays his wingman, uh, and uh, they've kind of got this long running con. And then this young, brash American upstart con artist, who is played by Travis, <laughs> shows up and is basically wants to kind of run his own game and then they end up kind of get uh, butting heads a little bit and then it turns into a will they work together against each other they make a bet um, about who can pull a a specific con faster and their mark is a young woman named Christine Colgate that's who I play um, who is the American soap queen and she shows up with all of her, her wealth and naivete on the French Riviera and they make a bet who can get 50 grand out of her faster and so then hijinks ensue and they're constantly undercutting each other and getting each other's way and then of course there's a love triangle and um it's great there of all the songs in the show there is exactly one series i mean one Right. One and it doesn't remain serious through the entire no, song. No, it's it's in, it's <laughs> insane. Um, so it's definitely it's a a musical for people who are unsure how they feel about musicals is mm. also something I've been yep. saying because a lot of people if they don't like musicals, it tends to be and I don't know what you gentlemen have heard but people are like. I just hate the fact that they're all like doing something and then they just break into song and it's so serious and emotional and why are you singing about it and why are you blah 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 in this one it's like they break into song because it's so outrageous that there's nothing else like you can't take it up an outrageous notch without adding music to it now and that's that's pretty much what it's about so if if you're the kind of person that's like oh musicals i don't want to deal with all those feelings this is not and what's what's kind of funny is if you did know what uh dirty rotten scoundrels was if you said oh i know that what what people say to me is oh i've seen that movie it's one of my favorite movies yeah it's based on the movie with michael caine and steve martin but it's not but it's not the movie no it is a musical of the movie (laughs) and the music is absolutely hilarious yeah when when did the movie come out 80s wow yeah yeah Yeah. i will say if you haven't seen the movie don't watch don't, it before yeah, not the, yet. the play. Okay. No, mm-hmm. no, because yeah. there's twists and turns yeah. throughout. It is a surprise. Yeah, uh, and that's great. But also, when they did come out with the musical, uh, they released a, a soundtrack, original cast, mm-hmm. and even on the soundtrack, Michael Caine comes in and says, "A moment." Oh yes, please John do Lithgow. not don't yeah. listen to the rest yeah. of the songs. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Until the, you've seen the show. The Broadway musical had John Lithgow, who uh, oh, I said Michael. Know. Yeah, that's no, all good. It was Michael Caine yeah. in the movie. John Lithgow, John Lithgow sorry, John. Norbert Leo Butz, who will be known to music theater enthusiasts. He did uh, Wicked in the last five years on mm-hmm. Broadway, and Sherry Renee Scott, who also did last five years um, Aida. Ursula and the Little Mermaid. Um, and yeah, John Lithgow comes in and goes, if you have not seen the show and da-da-da, stop listening. Because anytime there's like a love triangle and you don't know like, will they or won't they? And then like, there's a whole fun side arc with Andre's character. You don't want to know what happens, yeah, right. you know? So, no, 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 no. Um, not at all. But yeah, it's super fun. And have you guys all seen the movie then? I did not on purpose. Oh. I knew the show. I've known this show because I'm a musical theater major. Yeah. So we literally had classes. I don't know, because Tra- Travis, you made. Yeah, as well. I actually saw the show when it came through Seattle on the tour. And I thought it was the funniest thing I've ever seen in my life. And then I watched the movie and fell in love with the movie. So 
I've been waiting for this show to be produced yeah. for a long time, and yeah. then it finally did. And I, I knew know. the movie first. I'd seen the movie, loved the movie, saw it a few times because it's one of those movies yeah. like I love this movie. Yeah, I'm gonna yeah. watch it again. And then when I heard there was a musical, I went, "Oh, okay. How are they gonna do this?" And then I saw the musical, and I, oh my word, I'm absolutely in love with this musical. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah, it was a surprise. Yeah. And are you guys both into musicals or? Yeah. Uh, I know Trista is. <laughs> yes. Well, actually, you know, it's uh, this will be my first show. Ooh. With Travis, and yeah, he is already making yeah. me laugh in rehearsals. Likewise, I have to <laughs> almost leave the room because he is so dang funny. It's so hard to uh, be on stage with him. Trista oh and I gosh. have done uh, shows together, mm -hmm. and uh, I've been doing musicals since I was young enough to actually <laughs> be a male. <laughs> and now I am the older gentleman. And straight musicals. plays. Andrew has and been in some some critically acclaimed and award winning. Uh, plays in Tacoma, some of the Tacoma theaters as well. So yeah. don't. I like them both. Yeah. I like them both. Nice. And are you guys both originally from Seattle? Uh, I'm not from Seattle. I'm from uh, Olympia, Olympia, actually, was where I'm currently based out of. But, but Pacific Northwest. Pacific Northwest, yeah. born and raised. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I, I went to uh, the University of Washington in Seattle and lived in Seattle for a few years and uh, then moved down to Tacoma, gosh, now 22 years ago. And you have a lovely home, and, and I've been there for cast parties. There you go. <laughs> yeah. A couple times, actually. We'll have to do another one. Yes. Except that my family expressly said, no more cast parties, Dad. <gasps> this is when I say Dad. It's my kid. No right. more cast parties. And then my daughter had the chorus line cast party at the house, and I went, eh. <laughs> I was going to say, gonna your daughter likes scandals. me. Yeah, she does. And right. Travis, you went to PLU. I did. I went to PLU in yeah. Tacoma, um, studied theater there and English, and then was like, what do I do with a degree in theater? <laughs> um, so I got out of there and the uh, <laughs> kind of started working in radio, actually, and, oh, wow. and uh, did that for a few years. And now I work in communications full time. Nice. Uh, so this is like the first time I've been on stage in about five years. Um, but you never been know it. Such a blast! It's, it's so much fun. Minus I, minus two years uh, that none of us were on stage. Yeah, two years. I mean, yeah, yeah. COVID kind of threw a wrench into everything for everyone, and mm -hmm. yeah, so we lost a lot of really good people from the field who mm -hmm. were like, yeah, I can't stick if it, if it's going to be gone for an indefinite amount of time. You yeah. know how it is because you work with artists and yeah. are also an artist yourself, so. Well, and this show was going to be produced in 2020. Yeah. So, so fun fact, yeah. this show, Blake, was the one that we were we were in the middle of rehearsals when COVID uh. happened. And so this was the show that it was like, yeah, this COVID thing, we should really keep an eye on it. And and me being the uh, pessimistic millennial I am, I was the first one of all the board and staff to be like, yeah, guys, the show isn't happening. This is going to be a pandemic. We're all, this is going to be, and everyone was like, <laughs> oh, uh, it's oh. like, you spent too much time on the Twitters. And I was like, no, <laughs> I'm telling you. And it was just really funny because all like, I'm the, we have a couple of um, gals who are a little younger. I call them the young millennials. I'm the old millennial who help with our social media and stuff like that. But everyone on the board and the managing director, um, they were like, we can't think like that. We can't. And I was like, well, it's going to be the, it's the end of the world, you know. And unfortunately, I was correct in some ways. Um, so we ended up, it was kind of one of those things where it's like, well, we're going to postpone opening by, you know, a month. And then it was right. like, maybe two months. Maybe we'll do this. We'll do this September next season. And then I was like, you know what? Okay. Um, so thankfully, uh, the licensing company let us like shelve it almost indefinitely. Mm. But uh, when we canceled it, originally we were halfway through rehearsals. Most of our designers had done their designs. So we paid people not having any idea if we were even going to survive the pandemic. So it was really scary. So, you know, we have actors who had done, typically actors you'd get when you work with a like a theater such as us that's not like union theater where you're getting a weekly paycheck, you'd get paid like opening night and then at the closing. So it's kind of like a half and half. So we paid people half of their, because they did the rehearsals. So mm -hmm. we paid actors half of their thing. And then, you know, our set design was mostly done. Um, they would have been tweaking and doing stuff, but like set costumes, we paid people according to what they had worked. So we had paid for the rights, which is a huge, that's the biggest expense. And then we paid everybody involved for a show that we knew wasn't going to happen, um, which was very scary. But we're super, like, center stage is very, if we're not taking care of our people, then why do we exist is kind of our deal. 
And now it is happening. And now it is happening. And, and what's very funny about that, I was just talking to Travis earlier about the fact that I said, I remember when the show was, was mm-hmm. coming up, I was going to audition for uh-huh. it. And then I remember not being able to audition for it. And you just reminded me, me why. I was in Murder on the Nile. Yeah. And that got Canceled, yeah. canceled uh-huh. right in the middle of uh-huh. Tech Week as well. Uh, when you have friends, we're actors. Is that a play also? Murder on yeah, the that's an Agatha Christie, Agatha Christie when it was at Lakewood mm-hmm. Playhouse. And uh, and so when when you are have a lot of friends who are actors, everyone's got their story. It seems right. We, you know, everyone we, was in the middle of something. opening weekend. <laughs> yeah. and, uh, I just mentioned a chorus line. I actually went and saw that again just recently. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was really good and. I got to see the first weekend of that show two years ago. They right. did one weekend and then, and then they canceled. shut down. Yeah, wow. so everyone was in a different um, yeah. place. And Gentleman's Guide. Yeah, um, Gentleman's Guide as well, which just opened. So everyone. Everyone. Yeah. So all that to say, uh, so now, of course, we're relaunching everything. So now we're not, we're paying everybody all over. So this show is costing twice as much. <laughs> you know. So that's a little, so we're like, please oh. everyone come back to theater and uh, buy many alcoholic beverages, um, which I'm working on right now what our specialty beverage is going to be. I, I've been trying oh. to- Are you asking for help? Maybe after we can talk offline. Okay, that sounds um, good. <laughs> the hardest thing is I can't have too many ingredients because my bartenders will get mad at me and I have a- um, like a license to serve, but I'm in oh, the show, so yeah. I can't help them. You're not um, going to have the great big stuff, know, which right? just like, has a shot like, of everything in it. Yeah, out of a garbage can. You're just going to lay it in college. Um, but the fun thing is, like Andrew, uh, so so it's been almost exactly while we were in the middle of rehearsals. My Facebook did the two years ago, blah blah blah, and it was yeah. a picture of rehearsals, oh. and we kept the majority of the cast and design team through the two years, which is really amazing, but not everybody. And fun fact, both of these gentlemen were not in the original production. Travis, because he didn't know we existed and we didn't know he existed. Uh, <laughs> Andrew, because he was in another show. And then the gentleman who plays Lawrence, who's the um, the original con artist and the French Riviera, he also wasn't available. And we had different people, wonderful yeah. people, um, but COVID just upended so many people's lives. One right. of them moved to like Reno. Um, <laughs> one of them got a job with an equity theater in Seattle, which is awesome for him. And so it turned into one of those things where it was like, well, then Andrew was in a show and I was talking about it backstage and he's like, well, that's like a bucket list role and I'm not doing anything now. And I was like, well, you should come audition. And then Travis's friend was in The Importance mm-hmm. of Being Earnest with us. And I was talking, I was like, hey, do you want to audition? And and his friend, Paul Richter, was like, yeah, I can't sing to save my life, but I do have this friend who this is a dream role for him. So it's just mm-hmm. kind of cool how the theater community coalesced to be like, we'll help you find these people. Um, and then the gentleman who's playing Lawrence as well, uh, I texted him and I was like, I know this is a long shot. And he's like, no, I'm like, I'm in. Like, I love you know, that. I love yeah. that. Uh-huh. Yeah. And, you know, it's always a little scary when you have a team that comes together really well and then you have to replace key people. Mm-hmm. But about a week into rehearsals, the director came up to me and she said, you know, I loved everybody else who was in the roles. This is nothing, you know, but I realized today that not once in this whole week have I thought, Oh, and I wish so-and-so was here, wow. like, that's at awesome. all, which is that's the testament to how well these gentlemen and Bruce, who's the other um, gentleman, uh, are doing, is that at no point have I been like, oh, I liked the way so-and-so <laughs> did it, ever. <laughs> and this is truly, like, I feel like we ended up with the the best of all possible worlds mm-hmm. um, with a really good cast, mm-hmm. and everyone gets along really well, which, you know, yeah, usually casting. But yeah, I, can, yeah, I would just, like, excited. hang out with all I, these people. Mm-hmm. So I've probably done 60 productions or so over the last few decades. I am so excited for this show. (laughs) It's not funny. And when uh, Trista told me who had been cast, I was so excited because I know these people. (laughs) They're going to crush it. They're going to be so good. Yeah. Deanna, who um, she's the other. So there's like five leads. So it's the Mm -hmm. three of us, Bruce and then Deanna. She's one of those like powerhouse. She does everything. Like she's a director. She directed our um, not the Christmas show you saw, the one that was supposed to be the Christmas before that we ended up doing Christmas in July because COVID. <laughs> She's an incredible director. She just coached uh, kids in... She worked. Uh, she got. She's a private coach for like acting for kids and stuff like that, teenagers and things. And she has a group of students and then she got hired by Seattle Rep Theater to coach a group of kids for the Nationals for, mono- for a monologue competition. And two of oh, her wow. Tacoma students won... 
uh, the state competition and they're going to nationals in New York City in May, which is a huge deal. Wow. Like all these kids from Seattle, yeah, Tacoma. Good, and they were like, April. I know, right? <laughs> yeah. But they're like, it's Tacoma kids. Like that's a big deal because yeah. Tacoma often gets overlooked in the art scene. It's like, oh, Seattle, Seattle, Seattle. And it's like, well, uh, in Seattle, it now costs $2,000 to rent a closet to live in. So a lot of people are moving to Tacoma. So it's, you know, there's really good art happening down there as well. And um, and then she's also just a killer comedic actress. She's and, so funny. Oh my gosh, is I she crack funny. up every time. And watching these two work together yeah. too. Well, Andrew that's the, the thing I mean, too. When, you, when, you're, when you're working with someone who makes the scene so easy. Right. And, she and that's does. her. Yeah. And that's what Andrew and I were joking the other night about having to find our spot backstage to because normally when you're in a show, if you're not on stage, you're just you're in the dressing room, you're chilling, you're drinking your tea or whatever. But every once in a while you're in a show that it is so much fun to watch that you have to find like a spot backstage where you can't be seen, but you can see everything on stage. And you and I've only done a handful <laughs> of shows where I'm like, and this is one of those shows where when I'm not on stage, I'm going to be backstage with my like my little tea mug just watching everything <laughs> that I'm not in because I don't want to miss any of it because it's so so fun and has covid uh calmed down with doing plays now or do you guys do all have to wear masks um, how's that going yeah so we masked in rehearsals up until a couple days ago and now if you're not on stage you we wear our masks just you know to keep each other extra safe but when we're on when we're on stage we don't and we're uh, the leads we're all up in each other's business mm-hmm. in this show so seriously yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no yeah, personal space whatsoever none at all. Yeah, um yeah. i was like hi travis nice to meet yeah. you Hello. um <laughs> you know and even our ensemble members there's lots of couples dancing there's a yeah. there's two people in the ensemble that do these like killer dance breaks in the show like one of the young men in the ensemble um, was a competitive ballroom dancer for like six years. Wow. And so he and this other gal do all these. So you're like up and each That explains business. a lot to me. Yeah. I see. I Jared's did not know that. I was just watching yeah. their video oh and went, oh, gosh, really? he's so good. Um, yeah. So basically with mask restrictions being gone, it's a little nerve wracking because yeah. now it's like now when we're in the cereal aisle at Fred Meyer, mm-hmm. everybody and their brother around us. So the understanding is basically as a cast, we are the bubble we protect each other. So even though I don't have to wear a mask at Target now and I'm vaxxed and boosted and my whole family's vaxxed, blah, 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 I do because I am trying to take that extra precaution to keep Travis safe and Andrew mm-hmm. safe. And so um, so that's basically, and then the people who aren't on stage, like the director and stage manager, they're typically staying masked. Um, and then we are keeping our vaccine and um, mask requirements for our audience members. Mm-hmm. Because the actors can't be masked. And it's really, we don't feel like it's asking too much. I mean, you can remove your mask to drink your wine. You can, you know, like we're not. Um, and when we put our vaccine mandate in place, now, of course, numbers have been fluctuating a lot because of COVID. Some yeah. people already come back, some aren't, whatever. But for our Christmas show, um, <clears throat> you saw it, so you know it's a, you know, it's fun for grownups, but also really fun for kids. But uh, we only sold like a third the kids' tickets that we normally would. So that showed us that people were still a little nervous about bringing their kids out pre-vaccine. Right. But adults came. It, I mean, we did just fine. Yeah. And and I would say ninety-eight percent of our audience members were vaccinated versus a very very small handful who came with negative COVID tests instead. Yeah. So that was encouraging. Um, but it's hard to know because now that restrictions are being dropped all different places, all the Tacoma theaters, all the South Sound, I mean, we're not Tacoma or Federal Way, but all the South Sound theaters from Federal Way to Olympia are keeping their their COVID requirements through the end of this season at the very least to keep keep performers safe which i think is great the way i've heard it is theater was the first to have to close yeah right and the last to be able to open right Uh so we're just extra cautious because Mm -hmm. of that yeah um it is interesting though i I don't expect a a lot of backlash but we definitely have already had some people kind of make it known that you know if you're going to have restrictions then i'm not going to buy a ticket kind of thing and it's like okay you know you just i don't I'll be surprised if it's more than a, a dozen people out of hundreds and hundreds, but I, you know, it's one of those things where it's like, we're not going to require you to wear a mask until like 2030. Like this isn't, yeah. you know, but, mm-hmm. but through the end of this season, we have actors who are immunocompromised. We have actors with health histories. We have, you know, if it's between, you know, Joe Schmo and his, 
partner, you know, coming to see the show or keeping Travis and Andrew safe, there's no contest to me. I mean, there's not there's no contest. And so if that's going to upset you as an audience member that are like, sorry about it, you know, Um, but I don't think it's going to be a big problem. And I'm hoping that the people who are supportive of restrictions remaining in place show up. And, and show their their support for that. Um, so, yeah, I, you know, we'll see. And and with this one being uh, one that we're saying, you know, this is a great night out with friends. This is a mm-hmm. great date night. This isn't one where you're going to bring your 11-year-old to the show, unless you're me and my <laughs> 9-year-old and my 7-year-old are coming because I'm either a great or a terrible mother, depending on how you look at it. <laughs> um, so because it's, it's aimed at adults, it'll be interesting to see. Like, this is a great one. Like, my sister works for the naval shipyard in Bremerton and has like a bunch of friends that they go out to happy hour and stuff and they're all going to come see the show like this is that show so it'll be interesting to see um I I told my sisters I'm I'm going to make sure I get them tickets Mm -hmm. uh because I want them to see it and I was very happy that they were going to be coming to see it in the second weekend and I said Mm -hmm. so that you can come and see it again because you're going to like it yeah yeah this show doesn't get done very often so Mm -hmm. that's part of why people are really excited because it's a it's known, but it's not oversaturated. And I don't think I've seen any theater in the Pacific Northwest do it since I moved here like 13 years ago. I've and been it's watching possible for it. I missed it. Hasn't it. Been yeah. You know, it, it actually yeah. was on Theater in the Square, and I don't remember. It probably was longer yeah. than what you're saying, but I been. just remember it being there yeah. uh, at one point. In time. Yeah, I've been here for 13, 14 years, so yeah. it would have had to been. Yeah, it really doesn't get done. And I and why I'm not is that, sh- by the way? Yeah, I was going to say. Uh, I, it's so good. I don't know so why. Too many Tony Awards. Just, too many you know. Tony Awards. Yeah. And nobody can get John Lithgow to come yeah, and do their right. show. Yeah. Um, I think, I suspect part of it is because uh, some places that do musicals like to stick to only super squeaky cleanly musicals so you can like sell them to the whole family. Got it. Um, but also, I think... Uh, this show requires two male leads who have to you have to be able to buy that they've they're about 20 years between the two of them, which means you can't get away with two younger guys. Um, so Bruce, who's not here, uh, you know, you have you have to have a guy that if they're standing next to Travis and I said this guy could be Travis's dad. He's not his dad in the show, but like that age gap, it has to be believable. Mm-hmm. And then his wingman Andre has to be of an age with him and so to ask a theater that isn't like a huge equity theater to find three men two over the age of 40 who can sing and act and move and Bruce's character does accents multiple dialogues I mean that's like (laughs) If it were reversed and it was three women and one man, I bet you more theaters would do this show because mm-hmm. it's very intimidating. Mm-hmm. Uh, even I, when I pitched the show, I was like, OK. So is this like a risk time? Kind of? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Anytime, you know, a lot of times theaters, there are really good shows that don't get done because you're worried that you can't get the people for it. It's mm-hmm. always a little bit of a leap of faith. Right. And so um, there are a couple of shows that we're doing this this season that were like that for me. Um not to get too sidetracked, but like the next show after this um, requires uh, required an all Asian cast with mm. the exception of two actors. And that was I was like, all right, well, I want to do this show, so I guess we're doing it. And then you just <laughs> you're like, dear God, please let people <laughs> be uh, show up for auditions that we can cast for the show. And so this one and then and what's doubly amazing to me is, like I said, I had cast these three incredibly difficult to cast roles lost them all during the two years of COVID and then got recast with incredible people, which is just like, whoa. Um, but yeah, that's that's my guess. And and maybe a little bit in the theater community, there's a lot of name recognition for Dirty Rotten Scoundrels, but musicals are really expensive. <laughs> and so they cost more. The rights cost more. You're paying musicians. You're paying music director. You're paying choreographer. Blah, 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 blah. The sets are usually bigger. Yada, yada, yada. And so a lot of times when a theater is going to take the risk of spending money on a musical, they want to do like Fiddler on the Roof or something that everyone knows and every, you know, but the sound of music, right. Rogers and Hammerstein, which I, I get, Park. but I'm like, but haven't y'all seen that one? Yeah, like seventeen times. I'm trying to go see. Oh. Well, this one's so much better. I know. <laughs> it's, just, it's so True. funny and just like it's so over the top and so it's the characters are all scoundrels. Yeah. They're they're not the squeaky clean, right? You know, like 
you want to root for them, but right. it's you know they're they're right. definitely you're, doing you're, some questionable. You're things. two leading men. You like you're like I like them, but despite but should the I like them? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, why do I like <laughs> yeah. them? Yeah. yeah. So Travis, I'm ex- I'm excited yeah. to learn like learn more about your background in radio. So yeah, so I I the first show. Um, theater production I was in out of college was directed by Kent Phillips, uh, who was on Star 101.5 for many, many years and is one of the coolest human beings on the planet. He's awesome. Um, But I was working with him. I was like, what do I do with a theater degree? And like and he was like, well, you should go to radio. Um, So I tried that for a little bit, got a couple part time jobs, kind of helping in the studio where I could and like going out on the street team and doing events and everything. And um, that kind of led to a full time job in promotions and Liked that for a while and still did theater on the side. And then now I work full time in communications uh, and do theater when I can. Mm-hmm. Um, but tell them yeah. about your job because it's super cool. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I'm a communication specialist for uh, public school employees of Washington. Uh, so I work with um, all the classified staff um, throughout the state. And what's classified um, staff? So they're anybody who's not a teacher. So it's okay. like your bus drivers, custodians, paraeducators who are working with special needs kids, um, kind of for the folks the who. For the entire state of Washington. Yeah, for the entire state. So they're incredible folks. Um, they keep our schools running in colleges and universities as well. Um, and uh, I help them kind of bring out their stories um, to talk about uh, pro-public education issues like during the legislative session. Uh, I've gone to D.C. a couple times with with our group and and just work with incredible people. So I really love what I do um, and I love the team I'm on and uh, and they're all very excited to come see the show, too. <laughs> so awesome. I think they'll see a different side. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I started out in promotions, too. Oh, right so on. Very cool. cool. What? what where would you do promotions? I was at Movin ninety two point five. Movin, that was Warm's sister station. Yeah. yeah, that's that's we were right down the hall then. That's awesome. <laughs> so yeah. what, what what was like your first musical or play you went you were in? First play I was in was Seven Brides for Seven Brothers oh when I was gosh. eight years old. I played oh the shopkeeper. Uh, my parents knew I had a lot of energy, so they put me in a summer theater program. They're like, go do musicals, act. <laughs> Um, and I just fell in love with it. So every year I would do a couple different shows. That's actually where I met Bruce. Mm-hmm. It was at Capitol Playhouse in Olympia, Washington. Um, and then, yeah, just kind of got the theater bug and and kept doing it and studied it in college and uh, did a lot of productions here in Seattle right after graduation and then kind of started doing other things for my career. And uh, but just still always go back when I can. Mm-hmm. So that's awesome. It's a lot of fun. Yeah. What about you, Andrew? What was your first play or musical? Uh, it was called Mountain Music. It was the fourth grade. I was singing Bill. Uh, but that was a long time ago. Uh, no, and then, of course, uh, career-wise, I actually worked in television oh, while wow. I was in school. I was, oh. at, I was at Cairo TV and oh, wow. started out in the, the news as a floor director and working the Chiron and then ended up with uh, PM Magazine, which became Evening Magazine when it moved to Five. And, uh, but I was doing that working my way through college. And once I graduated and I started to become a businessman, so I opened up my own video production company, then I went into computer software development and ended up at Microsoft for five years from 89 to 94 and then started my own company up in Pioneer Square, which did very well, spun off a couple other companies, ended up going public. That was great. But during all this time, uh, my only outlets were I, I you know, I, I, Microsoft let me do these things called uh, tipster things for a, a show called Inside Line, which was great. But when you've got a company, you're 724. Mm. You wake up at three mm-hmm. in the morning and you mm. go, uh, do I have enough money to pay the 200 employees because uh, they got to feed their kids? Uh, and then I went to work for the University of Washington in Tacoma. And when I did that, I had a little more free time at night because it was now a more flexible job. And I was asked, because uh, my daughter was cast in Joseph and the Amazing Technical, the Dreamcoat, and they needed a Jacob. Uh, you know, being older, uh, yeah. this was so long ago, Jacob and his sons, I think uh, seven of my sons may have been older than me at the time. Oh my gosh. Yeah, that no, was crazy. <laughs> that was but my kids were cast, so I thought, if I got to take them to rehearsal, that's Absolutely. it. And then that was the bug, and wow. I started doing four to five shows a year plus murder oh mysteries yeah, yeah. for the last 21 <laughs> years, something like that. It's just crazy. Awesome. But yeah, so Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat, then uh, My Fair Lady, one of them that you put on when you want people to come see it. Uh-huh. I've been Alfie Doolittle twice. <laughs> um, 
Little Shop of Horrors, that's not necessarily a family musical. No, it is not. But still fun. I've mm-hmm. been mushnick twice. Um, uh, but my favorite thing on that one, there's a movie of Little Shop yep. that Disney put out. Mm-hmm. And then there's the stage play. And the stage play is very different. Yes. So I'd love to go and peek through the curtain just at the point when people start dying off. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> The ending, is very dark. <laughs> the ending is very dark. All the moms are like all of a sudden going, what did I take my kids yeah, to see? Yeah. That was Everyone the movie that test audiences hated, hated the original ending yep. and they went back and reshot yep. it yeah. because yeah. people hated it so yeah. much. The but Little so, Shop but... of Horrors, the play literally ends with every, everyone dies. Yeah. And so they is did that, it with is the- that a spoiler though? Not really. Uh, um, I mean, well, it's been out since the- It's been out a while. Exactly. <laughs> if you saw the original movie, <laughs> then, <right. laughs> then yeah, everyone dies. Yeah. Well, and in the movie with- um. Help me, please. Rick Moranis. Uh, thank you, Rick yes. Moranis. They had did the same ending, and they showed it to test audiences, and everyone, everyone in the movie theater was like, like "No, thank you." Everyone dying, so they were like, "Reshoot ep- the, the the people we like live." And so the movie ends totally. <laughs> yeah, different. but anyway, so then you know other shows like that. So I've been doing a lot of them, but the first show that I did with Trista was Spamalot. Spamalot. And yes. I, I know, I knew all these people in theater, and then she was cast as, as the, the Lady of the Lake, which uh, is one of the hardest roles I can imagine anyone doing in musical theater That's and pretty, pulling it off. It's pretty hard. And she was so good. Oh, gosh, I'll pay you later. No, no, it was just one of those. <laughs> and by the way, guess what? Uh, Bruce also yeah, was in true. that. He, he was, was Lancelot. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, so I've been doing a lot of it theater. That's and I still wow. work at the University of Washington in Tacoma at the School of Engineering and Technology, where I teach. And then at night, you know, that's so and do and do stuff. Theater. Wait, so. so you went to school for engineering also, or how did you? Um, I got well. No, I got the most important degree you can get at a university: a uh, Bachelor of Arts in Psychology. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's a money maker right <laughs> yep, there. Yep. But I also call that one of my favorite degrees I've ever gotten because it really has been helpful through yeah. my entire life. Yeah. It's been a great He's degree. Man. I did go back to get a degree in um, uh, computing and information systems, uh, and that started me doing some programming for Health Plus, and then I moved into some other things. But right now, the courses that I teach are an intersection between technology and business. So like starting next week, managing technical teams is what I'll be teaching and uh, just finished up a quarter of entrepreneurship and technology. So That's awesome. Yeah. So I heard there's like a stigma between like UW and UW, UW Tacoma. Do you think there is one? Or? Well, what's really kind of funny about that in terms of any kind of a stigma, I think that one of the things that comes up is I think there's a stigma between Seattle and Tacoma. Mm-hmm. And there used to be a much bigger one. Mm-hmm. It's changed dramatically over the last decade to a point where the people – 15, 20 years ago would say, why are you living in Tacoma? Or saying, I'm thinking about moving to Tacoma. So there's a little bit of a difference going on there. In terms of the university, one of the great things that happened there was um, working with, I was on the board of directors for the WTIA and worked with Ed Lazowska, who was uh, Bill and Melinda Gates chair at the UW Seattle's engineering program. And we're looking at a place that we could start building more engineering degrees. And the UW Tacoma had a group of great people who managed to get that sort of cited as where they would build what at the time was called the Institute of Technology. There was going to be there were there were currently about sixty students getting a computer software and systems degree because they had it was a computer science degree, but they had to name it differently. Stigma. Mm-hmm. Uh, and since then, we are now the School of Engineering and Technology, where we have uh, over one thousand students in mm-hmm. mechanical engineering, civil engineering, electrical engineering. Um, computer science and computer engineering and information technology. Uh, we have companies that have spun out of there that are worth millions. So is there a stigma? I don't think so anymore. Hell yeah. <laughs> now, mind you, I will say that there's two things I will say, and then I'll finish on that question. One of them is the UW Seattle's computer science program is top five, top 10 yeah. in the world. Legendary. I mean, they're just great. Yeah. They're great. So, so there is that. I will also say that some of our graduate students went with our faculty to a machine learning competition at MIT and uh, took first place, beating out the MIT team and Alibaba's uh, research team as well. Wow. So wow. no slouches. There's yeah. no slouches going on <laughs> yeah. down there either. Yeah. And has COVID affected you personally with uh, being a teacher? Or, or I guess <laughs> okay, this is guess. not what this podcast is about. <laughs> But when they shut down all of the theaters and all of the other programs, I had just finished working on a five-year strategic plan for the recruitment and retention of the technology industry in the South Sound. And I was on my 19th year of being the chair of the South Sound Technology Conference. I brought back the founding chancellor of the university. I had 
uh, three congressmen uh, there and a group of women research scientists, and they shut down the university mm-hmm. the day of the conference. Oh, <laughs> so of the like 300 people who would have been there in the hall, there were maybe 75 left oh, that hurts my heart. because oh, no. none of the students could come to campus because COVID it just had wow. shut down. So yes, it did affect us. Uh, I'm not a big fan of Zoom. <laughs> I, I do want to rewrite the Brian Wilson song, Beach Boys, in my room to uh, to that, that tune and be on my Zoom uh, because it it's not I'm not a fan, um, but it helped. Yeah, it helped. And it, was it got a us through it. Tool. Mm-hmm. It was a necessary tool and it got it through it. I had seniors in my class last quarter, seniors who were two year transfers. First time they were on campus. Crazy. Wow. It is crazy. Yeah. But that's not what we're talking about. <laughs> that is a that's a crazy story yeah. though. Yeah. But yeah, I that kind of ties back like what you were saying about Tacoma. I think there is a a an across the board shift of because I've moved here 14 years ago and when I mm-hmm. moved here it was like Seattle and Tacoma, you know, yeah. and and I totally get it, but um part of it is that there's been so much growth in um Seattle across the board especially artistically like when I moved here Seattle was you could make an argument Seattle was in the top dozen cities for live theater in the country mm-hmm. and by the time I'd been here for 7 or 8 years it was it was like okay we've got New York obviously Southern California is kind of more spread out, but there's a lot there. Chicago and Seattle. I mean, Seattle had moved up to like the top four easily. or five yeah. easily mm-hmm. for arts, um, which is amazing. And then, of course, it it if that affects everything. That's right. and and you're very familiar with the music scene and all that kind of stuff. And so you can't contain that much growth in just the city of Seattle. So it just kind of starts this sprawl, and people start moving places. And then you know, if you look at a map, <laughs> just because of industry and airports and all that kind of stuff there aren't many options if you want to stay on the i5 there aren't many options between seattle and tacoma to to live if you want to stay off going 167 into the middle and now if now you're stuck in traffic uh, for the rest of your life um so so there's aren't so it's kind of like in order to live anywhere else you have to start kind of looking now you're looking in federal way now you're looking into tacoma and so that and then you know rent prices going up and all that kind of stuff people are starting to look for alternatives and and very much like andrew said when i first moved here younger people who were graduating from college and looking to build their careers in any field wanted to live in seattle it was mm-hmm. like the closer to cap hill the better i'm gonna live in seattle and of course that still happens but i remember very distinctly uh, right around when i got married like so about two years after getting here all of a sudden it was like people were looking at like the Puyallup-ish area kind of go. And then it, for a little while, Puyallup was like a cool place to live, which no shade to Puyallup, but I was like, guys, you can't, I'm sorry. Stop trying to make no it shade. cool. It's never no. going to happen. It's not going to happen. <laughs> uh, they do have a really great Greek restaurant though. Um, but <laughs> that's, uh, it. That's, it. That's, <laughs> that's all they have. I, did, I lived there for a little while too. We, we all do our time in Puyallup. It's fine. Um, and then, and now, you know, more, a few years now down the road, now people who come here, they look in Tacoma first for a place. I mean, we just bought our first house and it's in Tacoma. And I ne- if you, thank you. It's very exciting. I'm like, oh my gosh, we did it. Mama, we made it. Um, But, you know, if you had told me when I moved here 14 years ago, your first house will be in Tacoma, I'd have been like, Tacoma? Who lives in Tacoma? So it's interesting. And I think it's great because what it does is it opens up the field. It opens up. There's there's diversity in the South Sound that it is huge and different from in Seattle. The the groups that you see um, in Seattle and in Tacoma differ. The The demographic makeup is different. And so it's just expanding because it's not like Tacoma is getting forward momentum in the arts and sciences and and Seattle's not. Seattle's always going to be that. It's always going to be a metropolitan area. It's always going to be known for innovation. It's always, always. And I love that it's now starting to embrace, you know, to the Tacoma area and Center Stage is kind of a microcosm of that. It was the first show I did at Center Stage. I was the only person from Federal Way in the cast out of eight of us. And everyone else was from Seattle. And I remember asking the director of the show um, about, you know, like who, where people were from. And, and he was like, oh, there's no there's no talent in this house sound. There's no, you're, you're, you're one of a small handful of actors from federal way I've ever even hired. I'm so glad you're here. Blah, 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 blah. Every, all the talent is in Seattle. And I remember thinking like, 
okay, that sounds <laughs> kind of weird, but all right. You know, I mean, I was an actor. I was new here. I What did I know? And then when I became artistic director, at that point, I had worked now in the South Sound in a couple of shows. And I was like, hmm, I think there's more talent down here. And now Dirty Rotten Scoundrels is what, like 75% South Sound talent. Okay. And we do have wow. people from all the way up in Everett and people who live in Seattle. But, you know, the the ratios and usually our shows are about 50-50. This one just happens to be. But it's interesting to see theater as a microcosm of the gr- like the explosion of growth that the Pacific Northwest is seeing. And I think it's great. I I want to see more bridges built between Seattle and Tacoma. Yeah. And there's actually great help. theater all the way down to the to Olympia. Well. Yeah, uh-huh. Mm-hmm. In yeah, Olympia Harlequin is, Theater. Uh, yeah, mm-hmm. there's great stuff. And, you know, for the number of different shows that are there, there it's it's interesting to see there'll be a handful now mm-hmm. that'll either come up or come mm-hmm. down mm-hmm. into the Tacoma area. Very, very strong theater community yep. with more and more production companies yep. coming up Popping as well. Up. Mm-hmm. Tall and Small, mm-hmm. Duke's Bay. Yep. And we've got Lakewood and uh-huh. Tacoma Musical Playhouse and Tacoma Little Theater. Yep. And, and but even in this show, um, we have actors from Olympia all the way up to Everett. Wow. That's a huge. Uh-huh. It's a big span. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah, we have a, a, a married couple that are both from Everett, which is kind of fun. We don't get married couples in shows very often, but this <laughs> one is they're from Everett. Oh. Yeah, they come all the way wow. from Everett. Yeah, wow. that is far. Yeah, do original Dang. cast usually come to Seattle, like Hamilton or anything like that, or like when so, plays eventually come to Seattle? What so happens? generally, what'll happen is the original cast will be on Broadway, and then by the time you get to the national tour, most of the original cast is usually gone. So you'll have like the national tour cast will be separate from the Broadway cast. Now, every once in a while, as a promotional bump, someone from the original cast will join a tour if they want to drum up money. Or, for instance, with Hamilton, um, Lin Manuel Miranda. Uh, joined the cast of the tour that went down to Puerto Rico for a little while um, to build, drum up support and to I mean that's where his parents are from and everything like that and so he he wanted to um, and I want to say this was post hurricane too and so they were trying to kind of mm. get some money flowing there um, so every once in a while something like that will happen or you know an actor a big name actor will headline a national tour but generally national tours are separate from from the Broadway cast. Generally, you can expect a Broadway originally cast to stick around and if it's a very successful show, of course, because some shows open and close on Broadway in weeks, but generally between six and 12 months. And usually the biggest names will leave first because they have other projects to do. Um, but national tour casts are usually incredible. I mean... The but and, and with the folks that are on national tour, a lot of our actor friends, yeah. you'll know, you can spot someone on stage and you'll go, they could do a national tour. Yeah. And we have a number of actors from the area who've then gone up to Fifth Avenue yep. for a number of different shows yep. and then have gone on national tours with mm-hmm. those shows. And then, of course, Fifth Avenue has, had, has launched a few... Uh, shows, shows and Broadway yeah. shows here. And so they, the people who are the original cast there live yeah. in the area. Yeah. Yeah. The business is weird. So generally what will happen is before a show uh, goes to Broadway. So first of all, it'll be in development for a million years and some get caught in development hell, just like a TV show or movie. Right. Yeah. Um, but uh, it'll be in development. It'll be workshopped, blah, blah, blah. When it's ready to be launched as a full scale production, typically they will choose a theater that's a, an equity, you know, a union theater somewhere in the country. Break that down to what is what is a equity? Sure. Theater? Yeah. So equity actors equity is the actors union. So just like any other labor union, um, actors equity is a little tricky because as an actor, you have jobs in, you know, you an eight week contract or a three month contract and then you're done. So actors equity gets a little tricky because nobody's paying you when you're not in a show. It's not like you're magically getting a paycheck. So it can be a little weird because, you know, they require a certain number of weeks, you to work a certain number of weeks a year to get your health insurance and all that. That being said, actors need a union because mm-hmm. they need to be protected. Um, but there are separate unions, like the 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 director's union is not the same as the actor's union, which is good because you want different representation uh, for them because if there's going to be a conflict, it will probably be between <laughs> you know directors asking things of actors that actors are like, we've been here for 15 hours, we want a break. Um, so the stage manager, who is kind of in charge of the all the logistics for a show, um, is in the same... Uh, unions called Actors' Equity with the actors. Directors and designers are in a separate one. Um, getting into the union 
the requirements change a lot. Back in my day, they were a little harder. It was a little harder to get in than it is now. Um, you have to work a certain number of weeks in an equity theater within a certain number of years, basically. So when I graduated college, it was 50, you'd work 52 weeks or 50 weeks um, within five years, uh, you know, and until then you were a candidate for for the union. Now it's not as um, difficult. Uh, it's not the same number of weeks. The trick is a theater that's a union theater. So in Seattle, we've got like the well-known ones like Fifth Ave, Village Theater, um, Act Theater, Seattle Rep. And there are a few others. Um, will if they're doing a show, they're required by the union to hire a certain percentage of union performers, and they're only allowed a few roles that aren't union. So you've got all these non-union people vying for these couple of roles so that they can potentially get into the union. So it gets kind of crazy. But the flip side of that is once you're union, you cannot work anywhere that's non-union. Mm. So if Travis were to go get his union card, he couldn't work for us at Center Stage anymore um, because the union will require him to make a certain amount. We could do a special contract I was going to say, union, can you do a special contract? But it costs us Ugh. a bajillion dollars. Oh, <laughs> so so it's kind of, yeah, it's a little insider baseball, but it's, it's you know, a, a union theater is going to be one where you're going to get a weekly paycheck and they're going to pay into your pension and benefits and blah, blah, blah. But... It's still when your contract is over, you're still back at, you know, the your, your bartending gig or your whatever, unless you're one of the very few that can go from contract to contract. And in Seattle, that's that's very tough to do. So there are a lot of people who opt to not go union because they just want to work right. and they don't want to have to worry or about it. Or you get it. on a national tour. Uh -huh. Or you get on a national tour. Um, so the union theaters will be the, the theaters that if you're developing a show... Blake develops like the Nast, the musical, um, and wants to go to Broadway. Uh, there are there are theaters across the country that are union theaters that are known for launching these shows onto to Broadway, and Fifth Ave is actually one of them. So it's kind of one of Seattle art scene's claim to fames. Um, uh, and then back in the day, Intamon was as well. It's a diff completely different setup now than it was. But um, there was a show called Light in the Piazza that won a bunch of Tony Awards. Adam Gettle, that one launched at Intamon. Um, uh, Aladdin, the musical, uh, had a run here at the Fifth Ave while it was getting fixed up before it launched on Broadway um, with James Monroe Englehart, who was the genie here, then went to Broadway as the genie and is, and then went on to do... Um, Hamilton. He was oh, nice. he replaced David Dix um, in Hamilton. Tony um, Award winner David Dix. Next to normal. Uh huh. Next to normal. Um, so yeah, and I and I met him. No big deal. But I met him when he came to do Aladdin because oh, a friend of mine from university was in the show. Yeah. So we got to meet backstage. Oh wait, and I see, met here's the name. Oh. No big deal. My friend, his name is. Uh, <laughs> yeah. He lives at. No, his yeah. name is Daniel Watts. Look him up. He's very amazing and very handsome and very talented. And uh, he drove me to DC once in college because I was a freshman with no friends. And uh, he was a very and he was a very kind junior and. And uh, I had nice. no one to ride to D.C. with for an audition. And I went with him. And now he's famous. Yes. So that's it. That's wow. my. <laughs> anyway. Uh, so um, and Daniel Watts was also in Hamilton. No big deal. No big deal. Um, so, yeah, uh, uh, you you would uh, take your musical and you would premiere it somewhere like Fifth Ave. And that's where you would do your your test audiences and, and they would be able to tweak it. But it's getting its full production. Um, They'll be able to tweak it and mess with it. And then once it's successful, if your producers, your backers, your money people are still sticking with it then you go to broadway so every once in a while they'll keep somebody mm -hmm. from the seattle fifth ave cast or something um and go to broadway but a lot of times the people in that fifth ave seattle cast came from new york to begin with so it's mm -hmm. kind of hard to know it gets a little hinky um and then also a lot of times because the arts business can be so cutthroat you know travis may have the lead in the in the show while it's at fifth ave and in, in nast the music nast the podcast the musical uh <laughs> travis may have the lead in it and it's and he's great and then your producers come to you and they go you know blake travis is he's so good and the audiences of the fifth really love him but we need to sell out this show and i just don't so i just really Hugh think jackman. Hugh yeah. it's jackman. Gotta be Hugh jackman sorry it's buddy be. sorry I know. buddy. you have to be replaced by somebody. i know, right? I, know. Not too I mean i was gonna say shia labeouf and really try to insult you but i just <laughs> Shade. um anyway uh yeah so yeah and they'll come to you and they'll go you know hugh jackman is gonna sell tickets and and you uh, your producers are saying that to you and you're gonna you're gonna have to say yeah you're right and yeah. then travis has to be replaced by Hugh Jackman and that's you know so it, it can get kind of kind of crazy it's a weird it's a it's weird little business. business yeah it's the biz and and yeah. then also you could have a successful run at the fifth ave and your producers might say 
we just we the Pacific Northwest loves Nast the podcast the musical, but we just don't think New York's going to get it. Sorry, yeah. bud, we're just yeah. not going to. And then that's it. The Trista, end. have do you know Angry Housewives? Do you know the musical? I do. I do. Yeah. So that was a Seattle. Yeah. Original. Yeah, it was yeah. Northwest. Oh, yeah, mm-hmm. it was, and then wow. it made it to uh, the Fifth Avenue mm-hmm. and played at Fifth Avenue. Mm-hmm. That's one of those got to Broadway and they're like, I don't get it. Yeah. Isn't that so interesting? And that one started at Arts West, which is an, was non-union at the time, which is right in West Seattle on California Avenue, then went to Fifth Ave. And that one, uh, they had a great, a stellar cast at Arts oh, West yeah. that got really good critical acclaim, but that cast did not get to do it at Fifth Ave. Mm. Um, they replaced them with more known Seattle names. And then when it got to New York, it was, you know, a young woman who graduated from my alma mater was in the Arts West one. Oh. Elon University, producing stars. And then also me. Uh, Yeah. Also me. So, yeah. This this show, Dirty Rotten Scoundrels, is one of those exceptions that you mentioned Mm -hmm. with after it went to Broadway, Norbert Leo Butts won the Tony Award, but then he toured with the first national tour. Which is very unusual. That's very unusual. Mm -hmm. But that's when I got to see him in Seattle, went to that tour and just was like, So you saw like the man. I saw the man. Now you're playing that role. Now I'm playing literally my dream role. Like, I have to say, like, in my back pocket was hoping. Have you invited him to come and see you? Have you have you reached out to him? He Somebody, won't answer my texts. <laughs> Somebody contact his agent. I love no, that. No, so when Paul Play texted me, I was life. like, "Oh man, I was like, I got, I got, I got to throw so, my hat in the ring for this. Yeah. This is so got to make this work." Have you talked about it before? Or was this just like out of the dark? Like, do do people know you like this play a lot? He, yeah, well, he and I he watched the yeah. the movie in college all the time, got and it. like we were like, yeah, just. So he knew. <laughs> so then when he had the opportunity come up, I was like, I think I was like, okay, I need to go do a video audition like tonight. Because like, he even to, said like, to me, like, this is his dream yeah. role. And I thought, that's weird. Yeah. This, this, okay. I don't I don't know why, but like after seeing this show, it was just out. like, this was just. Not weird that it's your like, dream role, but just yeah. weird that, that he knew that and had just done a show with us. Like just all yeah. the connections are kind of wacky because yeah. the show he had just done with us was his first show with us. That's and crazy. I had never seen him in anything. <laughs> a woman in the. Colleen, who's in the show with him, uh-huh. had done another show with him somewhere else and was like, this guy is interested in... I, just so the it's theater such world. A small I'm glad world. you yeah. weren't it's, getting it's on him for community. the role because no, 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 you said, no, oh, I can't believe role. that you're just like, yes, I wanted to be Flounder and Little <laughs> Mermaid. It's my dream role. Don't judge. <laughs> there are none from the left and the sound of music. Don't look at me like that. Yeah, I, it, it's just yeah. interesting how theater is that world where it's like, and then she did a show with him and then said mm-hmm. he'd be great for this role and he it's did this so one connected. and then I asked him and he said, well, I don't sing, but my friend who I watched a movie with in college, it's just... Kind of wild. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. Well, I'm grateful to have found this theater too. You've mm. been great to work with, and it's just been Thanks. just such a great experience. <laughs> like it's, I, I couldn't ask for a better cast. And I mean, and we don't pay it's... you enough to quit your day job, so we want to make sure you have fun too, but then also make it professional. It's a fine line we walk. Hell yeah. Well, yeah. what are you most excited about for the play? I. Sorry. Yeah, I know. What time is it? <laughs> no, I, I had a call. Oh, that's <laughs> for, funny. Sorry, I forgot, I forgot to put it on better. silence. Sorry about that. It's a very important man. Um, yeah. <laughs> sorry, what the, the most what, excited for? Yeah, for the is it not play, musical. What are you most excited about for it? I'm just excited to get this show open and see like audience reaction to it because yeah, it's too. it's so near and dear to my heart. And it's just, it's so different and special than like any other musical out there, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um it's just so crass and crude, but it's got a big heart and yeah. the characters are, you just want to root for them, but they're mm-hmm. doing horrible things, but mm-hmm. it's, and the music is just so great too. Yeah. Um, the live music. The live, yeah, yeah we've got we a live a band good, that's amazing. We have a pit band. There's yeah. only four of them because we can't fit any more in our little backstage <laughs> area, but um, it's Sam Peters is our music director and I just love that man so much uh and he is going to be on like keys so he's got all the different things going on and then we have a guitarist um and bass both and then we have a drummer a guy named ty titano who does he plays drums for like i've like all over seattle and everywhere whoop, and everywhere he does everything um so you know, like cafe nordo and he does all kinds of gigs um cam is the guy who's on the the guitar and then a woman named rebecca who plays strings she plays violin and boy does it it's hard when when you hand the music director a score that says this is for a 64 piece orchestra on broadway and he goes what do we have the budget for and you go four including you (laughs) (laughs) and he's like are you sure we can it's like four including you i'm sorry we paid for this show twice now no but he i mean he and he just picked the perfect and then they came in and we did what's called a sits probe which is um Mm. It's it's German. I don't even know why. Why don't we just whatever? It's a sing through uh, with the with the 
the pit band for the first time. And it's always such a joy for the first time to hear you're like, you've only had the piano in rehearsal and then all of a sudden the violin comes in and you and and in this show because it's so funny one of the first times you hear the violin it's actually a joke in great big stuff yeah i don't want to give away the moment but it's like he sings a lyric and then the violin comes in and you're like in stitches you're like even the violin is hysterical on the show um and it it just adds so much and it's so beautiful and these musicians are so professional and they're They're like we're sorry we haven't uh we haven't practiced this yet so we're gonna stumble through it music music and you're just like sounds beautiful i've been rehearsing for seven weeks and i just effed up so thanks yeah (laughs) so good um but it just brings like a lushness. And, you know, because you saw the last show, we had live yeah. musicians and Sam was the band director. Right. Yes. Yeah. So well. that was, I think, three of the three of the yeah, folks a, in this one yeah. were in okay. the panto band. And honestly, that was, was one of my favorite things in that show was the music. Yeah. That was a fun yeah. one. for yeah. sure. So anyway, yeah. So it's I mean, it's great. And the, the, the dancing, the choreography is great. And it's a two story set, which is very exciting. We get well, some of us will be on the floor and some of us will be above oh, the wow. floor. And some yeah. of us should be on the second floor and lean on the rail uh, and but, suddenly be on the floor. But you can't <laughs> lean on the rail too hard or I you will be that. on I the floor. Uh, oh, no. Well, it takes place in the French Riviera and mostly in a hotel, in a very lavish hotel and then in a very lavish villa. So it's kind of a fun, the set's going to have that kind of luxurious feel um, and a little behind the scenes uh we had weren't able to get anyone to do the last kind of a scenic decor person to come in and kind of um do those finishing touches just because everyone's short staffed with covid so i'm while i'm not on stage during tech this weekend i'm gonna be like fixing up chandeliers and like zhuzhing up palm trees (laughs) and like because that's just what you gotta do to make it work so uh you know like there's this big beautiful floral display that actually plays a pivotal role in one of the scenes and bruce works for a company in belfair that does home decor and so he borrowed all the stuff for it and he did this big beautiful floral display and brought it so everyone's like wearing the hats um to make oh this my word come he together. brought that yeah that. he brought he made it and brought it he works for jimmy cook's business like okay. white barn decor in belfair i know so we were like yeah we need a floral display and he was like sends a picture does this work we're like uh yep it's larger <laughs> than my children this floral display it's gorgeous Hell so yeah, yeah. Well, I end the podcast by asking if any of you guys have any final advice or words for the audience or up-and-coming actors or influencers or creators. I'll, I'll start with you, Travis. I would just say come see live theater. Come yeah. come back. It's, Help us, um, please. <laughs> a, lot of the, a lot of the groups of, or groups of folks in my circles have been like, you're doing a play? When can we come see it? Like, <laughs> like you're doing, like, theater's back. Mm-hmm. So I would say that's that's probably my my uh, message is just let's get out there and support the arts again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. please. Yeah. And I almost called you Travis Andrew. Yeah, that's right. No, I mean, I would I would echo what he said because that's what probably what I would have started with. But then I'm just going to also say if you are an actor, a singer, or a dancer, get out there and do it because, yeah. uh, mm-hmm. again, we're back. Now it's time yep. to, to you know, reach out, find people are doing things. Yep. Do your own thing if you need to yep. because, you know, expression is so great. Yeah. Yeah, I Oh, look at both of them. I've got three. I'll reel through them fast. First, yes, come see the show. I mean, we've got, you can buy cups with lids. You can bring your alcoholic beverage into the theater. This is a show. Have a drink. Have a drink and watch this show. Thank me later. You're going to, I kind of wish I could do that, to be honest. Um, But then, yeah, like Andrew said, um, so uh, they did a study uh, on the effect of COVID in the arts in people and, you know, the the staffing in the arts. And the arts has experienced a 39% loss of talent because of COVID, because people switching careers, dropping the career, moving back out of state. Because, you know, a lot of people in the arts in Seattle weren't born in Seattle. They moved to Seattle, Tacoma area, right? Um, So if you've ever thought you might want to get into it or you might have a knack for it or you you know you have a knack for it, but now is the time, even if it's just as a hobby or you're trying to explore, especially my black my latin my asian artist my um you know islander native american like the socioeconomics the way they play out not to like be a downer but we know it sucks but we also know that the people who are given the short end of the stick to begin with are always the first ones knocked out of the race when it comes to things that privileged things and the arts is a privileged thing and so we're really hurting for that um you know and you saw the panto and you saw the diversity on the stage and that's that's my jam so i want it and you know actors disabilities all body types all gender spectrum everything 
if you've ever thought you might want to get into theater, um, now is the time to do it. And I know they'll be able to find our contact information, you know, when they see this. Get in touch with me. I have people email me out of the blue all the time. You know, like, I, hey, I, I sing. I don't know if I have a knack for acting. How can I'm like, this is how you can get involved. Um, you know, get to know us, come in. And then I, I reeled them in and I am very persistent um, in getting people involved. Uh, so so if you've ever thought of doing it, now is the time. Um, and then uh, my piece of advice for people who are already in the arts and who, who want to do it is uh, you can be a working artist in the Seattle-Tacoma area. However, you have got to be willing and able to wear multiple hats. And Blake, I know you know this. Yeah. You just started DJing as well, yeah. which is so amazing. Yeah. Um, find the different things. My degree is in musical theater performance, but I was forced by life circumstance to take a break from performing for seven years. So I um, produced, I directed, I wrote. I'm not even good at writing. It doesn't matter. Just oh, do it. Don't you dare. Uh, no, I'm really not. No. You would now. She just. I'm going to interject. She adapted a book. Okay. Into. I had help. <laughs> a play, yes, with Josh, and it was wonderful. Okay, well, thank and I you. hope you turn it into. Thank the you. Final. I had help. Joshua Gerard, who was in the last one with us, he helped me, and he's very, you know. But you know, wear the different hats. Um, find the other things you're good at. Find a thing. You know, I have people all the time. Hey, I'm an actor, but I want to learn choreography, and I will plug them in with people and things. And if you're willing to wear those hats. I graduated from college years ago, and uh, <laughs> since graduating, I have, with one exception of three months, worked in arts and arts adjacent since graduating college, never in anything else, wow. and that's a big deal, but it's because I've done lots of different things, right? I didn't have, I thought I was going to graduate, work on a cruise ship, then do a national tour that, you know, but the life I have is great. Um, so that's my advice to, to working artists. The ones who come to me and say, well, I just, you know, I want to be in the arts. I want to be an actor or I want to be a director. And I say, well, what else do you? And they go, oh, no, no, no. I only direct. I immediately, I'm like, yeah, you're not. That time's over. Yeah, you can't, do the, you, can't you cannot do that. And and you cannot do that in Seattle because there's a vast ecosystem. But the, the top of it where you can quit your other jobs and just do the one is narrow. It is tiny, tiny, tiny. So, yeah, maybe you'll make it, kid. And maybe you'll be one out of 1,500 people that do. Um, but also... You know, like I was just saying, we're we're all wearing different hats, um, you know, to make this show come together, and that is very valuable to a theater. Um, so yeah, wear wear the different hats, and you can you can if you've got the if you've got the talent and the drive, and you're willing to keep training. I I think you can make it in Seattle. Um, obviously, that's not unilateral. You have to have the right things in the right places, but um, be willing to learn those different skills, and yeah, get in touch with people like me. Because I like to help actors. Mm -hmm. Hell yeah. Mm -hmm. It's been the NAS podcast with Travis and Andrew and Trista. And we did it.